Tell them Tip Told You Dot com The podcast about pop culture Black history and spirituality Yeah It's about to be a great vibe Dr. Tip Gonna take it away Tell them Tip Told You Hey y'all, hey, it's your girl Tip. Thank you for joining me for another edition of Tell Em Tip Told You, the podcast where I share with you all my musings about Black history, Black culture, and Black spirituality. Listen, uh, it's Mardi Gras in my hometown, and my sister just sent me a picture of my mother sitting in the rain waiting for a parade. And I couldn't help but giggle because that's what her mother would have done. It's so funny to me, the circle of life. Anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. There are a few things I want to talk to you about today, mostly about education and about the increased stupefaction of the United States population, to steal a phrase from Donald Machado. Um, So let's just jump right in. So unless you've been under a rock, you probably are familiar with Charles, your lunch is ready. Miss Netta and Charles, the new TikTok sensation who is on a tour. (laughs) Listen, y'all, if you haven't already read the title of this week's episode is Stop Making Stupid People Famous. I want to, but I want to tie all this together. So I want to start with a quote. Y'all know I like quotes and this is Black History Month. So, you know, we we deal in the quotes over here. I'm going to quote um, the author James Baldwin. He says, the time has come, God knows, for us to examine ourselves. But we can only do this if we are willing to free ourselves of the myth of America and try to find out what is really happening here. And so when I look at the Charles and Netta phenomenon, I can't help but to wonder what the hell is going on, right? I am not the first, nor am I probably going to be the last black woman who watches what I think are skits, right? I'm going to be very honest with you that I don't think none of that is real. In fact, if you've um, uh, TikTok... uh, (laughs) people have done a pretty good job of combing old videos and finding Netta uh, cooning for the camera for a very long time. I can't, y'all, if y'all find some videos of that woman dressed as a leprechaun, stuffing her face, talking about me gold, you will understand clearly what I mean when I say that that person has been cooning for coins for a while, right? Now, even more problematically now, though, is how I see both uh, she and Charles responding and engaging black women. I think there is some misogynoir afoot. Um, I think there is jealousy afoot. I think it's extremely problematic. And what's, what's interesting to me, like Baldwin is saying, I'm trying to figure this out, right? What's interesting to me is that It was largely black women, black people in general, who made them a thing, 
right? Making spoofs of the child's your lunch is ready, having whole out discussions of their sexuality, um, just really putting them um, in a spotlight in such a way that those people who want to capitalize off of their budding <laughs> D-list celebrity are pouring into them getting cars, getting promo, getting all kinds of things. And now that their attitudes are getting even worse towards some of their followers, a lot of us are like, well, can the 15 minutes of fame be over now? I want us to reflect on what we did, though, to grow them. I want us to reflect on what it was about them that attracted us. Like, I think for some of it, it's it's an escape from all that's happening in the world, right? And I think all of us <laughs> need some kind of escape. But I think beyond that, there's something very problematic happening that Netta wasn't canceled when she was dressed as a leprechaun cooning, right? That they haven't been canceled with these negative attitudes, this excessive materialism that they're they're touting now. Um, and just being nasty <laughs> to people and to one another, I think. Um, it, it's a problem. It, it's especially a problem because so many of it recognize it for what it is. It's just attention-seeking behavior. But the question is, why does the attention-seeking behavior have to package the worst stereotypical representations of Blackness? What is it about that that is appealing to us? Now, let's move to another thing I saw via social media this week, and that is Suki. Now, I don't, you know, the rapper, the, the woman rapper, Sukiana, I, I don't listen. To, I, if you put a gun in my head, I could name you a song, okay? So just understand that I know her from what people post on social media. I don't know nothing about her music, musicianship, all right? I try to tap into my students, try to tap into my younger colleagues, and I'm going to tell you about a discussion we had. So if you haven't seen it, uh, oh, I want to go back and tell you, uh, Miss Netta. Now, I'm not counting Charles's page, but Miss Netta's page on TikTok has 532.4 thousand followers. She's appealing to somebody. OK, this podcast interview that I'm about to talk about was Sukiana with Bobby, who is who does problematic interviews with black celebrity all the time. So I, I think that's the thing. Now you want to be tried on her show. Um, it after three days had 946,000 views. Okay. And on that <laughs> podcast interview, y'all, it made my teeth itch when I saw the clip because I haven't seen the whole video, nor do I want to see the whole interview. This white woman says to Suki, you're a musician, right? And Suki's response is to be incredulous that she's been labeled in such a way. And she says, but I do music, right? So there's obviously misunderstanding or at least a performed misunderstanding of what the word musician means. Uh, it, it puts Suki in this incredibly ignorant light and allows her to be a subject of jest for those who want to laugh at black women. And I can't help but see the connection between Suki and a Ms. Netta. Again, Ms. Netta's page has 532.4 thousand followers. 
And that video interview of Suki has over 946,000 views. There is something pathological about a need to poke fun at black women and black intellect. Let's go back to the James Baldwin quote. I'm just going to read it for you again. The time has come, God knows, for us to examine ourselves. Because see, in both of these situations, the folks are voluntarily participating in these things. Now, I, okay, let me just read the quote and I'm going to get to what I was about to say. To examine ourselves. But we can only do this if we are willing to free ourselves of the myth of America and try to find out what is really happening here. Right. So I'm not doing this episode to poke fun at Netta, Charles or Suki. I'm y'all got to help us figure this. I'm trying to figure this thing out. Right. What is it that would make one want to perform perform, excuse me, perform in such a way that makes you look bad? And not only you. The problem is that not only you look bad, but it, it represents a kind of validation uh, to some people who would want to believe that we are all packaged the same way. It's incredibly problematic, incredibly problematic. And what's even more problematic to me is that we voluntarily we seem to be voluntarily playing this. Right. And some people may say, go get the bag. They get in the bag. They doing what needs to be done to get the clicks, to get the views, to get this and to get that. I'm going to read you a quote by Asa G. Hilliard from his Sabah, The Reawakening of the African Mind. He says, in the final analysis, the real measure of progress is not the condition of the few, but the condition of the many. And so I, I want us to think about what impact do these performances have on the almost million viewers who see it. What impact does it have on our children? What impact does it have on our enemies? What impact does it have on our own self-esteem? Right? That there's something, I was having a conversation with one of my younger colleagues about Suki because I have before said to others that I wonder if Right. She and some of these city girls are pretending ignorance. Right. Because I just Lord knows I'm educated and I don't want to believe that nobody in the world is that dumb. <laughs> OK. And he said to me that he has seen interviews with, with she and her mother where you can tell that they're very intelligent women. OK, so if that's the case then they are performing this kind of ignorance. What's the end game? What's the end game to get some coins? Because because Bobby Hilliard just told us at, at the end of the day, if the coins are only going in her pocket, but are creating an environment where young people think it's cool to be stupid. There's a there's a bigger problem when young people believe that it's cool to be mean to people online. That, there's a problem here where I'm. Cooning around, jumping around in green clothes, talking about wet me gold, looking crazy. What is the impact of that on our people? And how did we get here? How did we get here? Again, I'm not trying, I, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to figure out the psychology of those three people. What I'm trying to do is to figure out, as Baldwin says, what is really happening here? 
Can I give you my hypothesis? Chattel slavery did not take us out. Political movements to ship us back to Africa did not remove blackness from this continent. Stealing our music, language, and culture and putting a white face on it, Kelsey with the fade, that has not taken us out. Lynchings of the Nadir movement, the red record, that didn't take us out. Mississippi appendectomies didn't take us out. Crack cocaine in our neighborhoods didn't take us out. Redlining did not take us out. The most powerful tool in the hands of the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. See, direct confrontation has not been able to destroy us. What I'm afraid of is that our own I don't know even what to call it, y'all. Our own capacity for self-loathing and a love for ignorance, I think, will, will be what finally does us in. I want you to look at what's happening in education, right, as it relates to this. We got book bannings. We've talked about that before. You got whole districts, whole states that don't teach cursive writing, which means students will no longer have access to historical documents without translation. All right. Because the cursive might seem to you like a famous, you know, it's just a frivolous thing. I want to tell you that I took some of my students on a trip last week and some of them don't know how to sign their name. So they can't sign contracts. Okay, and if they can't sign their name, you know, they cannot read the Constitution for themselves, except that it that it's been translated into print. Okay, so we got book bannings. We've got attack on literacy. We've got faulty curriculum. Places like Florida talking about slaves benefited from slavery because they learned useless skills. That's a goddamn lie. They they purposely sought, did you know they purposely sought out some Africans because they came from the Senegambia region of West Africa and therefore knew how to grow rice? Charleston. <laughs> Do you know that in Brazil, some were purposefully captured from West Africa because of their size was perfect for working in mines? Okay. So we got faulty curriculum. Right. You've got underqualified teachers, teachers that do a summer program and then go teach in the worst of our schools with the the most under-resourced of children. You got undercompensated professionals who are working on scripted curricula that are faulty. You got low pay, low morale in these classrooms. You've got poor parental engagement often through no fault of their own because they work in so many damn jobs trying to put food on the table because it's high now. You've got libraries in Texas being turned into detention centers in schools. And if you haven't heard the news last week, you have the Republican Party in the state of Tennessee wiping out the board of Tennessee State University so the governor can appoint a board. Now you, listen, 
let me tell you why you got to watch patterns. You can't just watch the news for a moment. You got to hold stuff in your memory and, and analyze the pattern, right? About a year or a year and a half ago, Glenda Glover, the president of Tennessee State University at the time, was called before the Tennessee legislature and they asked her, I will not, I, I watched the video. They asked her essentially why she was stealing students from the PWIs. And, and I thought she was very clever. That's my sorrow. I was very proud. She said, we're not stealing students. We're welcoming them home. Okay. Because we're not going to act like y'all always want ed- to educate our children. We're not going to do that. And now that she has announced her retirement, I can't help but wonder the, the, the timing of it all. <laughs> that you wipe out the board of trustees for this powerful, very large HBCU. So that the governor can replace the board. Y'all better be watching this stuff. See, a lot of people talk junk about HBC. Oh, they were founded by white people. Oh, they this, they all oh, they that. Oh, they this and that. There are distinctions among the 100 plus institutions, right? And yes, the only ones we are sure to get control right now are the private ones. Because as long as states give us a critical amount of funding, the rest of us kind of have to play in the sandbox that we're given. That's the reality. Until alumni giving, community giving can match or surpass that that is given to us by the state, your public HBCUs will not be fully radicalized. They can't be. But that doesn't mean we should not give our attention to these private schools and hope for the best. But we can't afford to lose any of them. So I'm telling you, we have got to turn our attention to Tennessee State University right now and hope that the state is not setting a precedent for other Republican governors to come in and follow suit. All right. We have to be very careful. And I want you to think of all of this in the same ball of wax that we are seeing growing surges of anti-intellectualism among black folk who have historically and traditionally seen education as an emancipatory exercise. But we getting on TV and podcasts and whatnot and showing the blackest of our ass. Not wanting to think. Showcasing the worst of us. Thinking it's cute because you can get some coins doing it. Come on, we have to, y'all. Where are we going to draw the line? What will we teach our students? What are we going to do about Tennessee State? If, if they start doing some crazy shenanigans, what are we prepared for? Are our other HBCUs ready for a huge surge in, in transfer students? I can tell you probably not. Most of us are struggling housing the students we have. It's time to, to, to hold the community to task. We need some money at these schools. Hear me clearly. We need money at these schools. Stop looking for handouts from the school if you're not going to give to the schools. Are we ready to do what's necessary to ensure we have Autonomous education for our children, not just in higher ed. I'm talking about P through 20. 
And what are we going to teach them? What do we want to expose them to? Black capitalism ain't never saved us. Is that the only thing we want to teach them? How to be uh, scientists? We see what happens when you have STEM and no humanities. Then people might know how to build technology, but don't have the ethics. Okay, do you hear what I'm saying? Where are we having these conversations about what the community needs in terms of education? Where are these conversations happening? What are we going to expose our young people to? I had the opportunity this past week to take some of my students to Atlanta. Um, The bus drove them around a neighborhood that I thought it was important for them to see the houses there because there aren't houses like that in southwest Georgia for them to see. I want them to see how other people are living so that the doors of possibility and potential are open to them. But then I also took them to Black Wall Street, the new Black Wall Street in Lithonia up there by Stonecrest. And luckily, we ran into the manager, Mr. Hester, and he was able to take our students around and give them a wonderful tour because I also want them to see what you can build for yourself. And y'all that had the band on the big screen, I was so proud. I was like, look, and then then they got the marching band. (laughs) Oh, boy. It was a good time. But but in our communities, are we having conversations about what we want to expose our students to? What do we want them to know at the end of the day? What do we want them to be familiar with? What dreams do we want to awaken in them? What do we want to challenge them with? Are you having those conversations with somebody in your community? We can't complain if we're not ready to do the work. And we, y'all, we got, listen, we have got to stop making stupid people famous. Deal? All right. Y'all make it a good one. Tell them to tell you.